Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Here's your host, Tyler Wagner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Today, I have Courtney Turner with us. So welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, grateful to have you on. Um, So can you kick us off? Tell us a little bit more about you and what you do. Sure. Um, So I uh, am a coach and I am also a speaker. Most of what I speak about is my life story. I have a very unique kind of set of circumstances of how I came into this world. And I faced a lot of challenges from birth. So I talk about how I built a framework for building resiliency using what I call movement mindset to overcome adversity and face adversity. So I go through that in my speech. I also perform aerial acrobatics because I am an aerial acrobat and I love to be able to show people what is possible when people thought it wasn't. Mm, I love that. So, so yeah, let's start from the beginning. You said you were born with some, I guess, some differences. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So my mother had German measles during the first trimester of pregnancy. So I was born with congenital rubella and most rubella babies do not fare very well. I was fortunate relatively and, but it did leave me with several medical health, physical complications. Some of them being I'm blind in one eye, I wear bilateral hearing aids, but we didn't know when I was little that I was hearing impaired, so I actually learned how to speak by reading lips. Um, I was born with hypotonic limbs, which means the muscles in my limbs were not developing, Uh, asymmetrical bone development, uh, fine and graphic motor impairments, I was born missing 10 teeth. So they basically told my mom that the best she could hope was to find a nice institution for me to spend my life. Wow. Yeah. That's what, so, and then I guess, uh, let's dive a little bit more into the, like, so was there a point in your childhood where you kind of like decided to take things into your own hands or was that kind of like, I don't know, before, when you became an adult? Um, I would actually say it was probably, neither and all of the above (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah (laughs) right because um you know a lot of the challenges i faced started right from birth um so you know the uh i started my college essay saying that uh my life began as a series of challenges and since then i've continued to seek mental physical and emotional challenges to surmount and i feel like that very much uh encompasses my my whole life and really how I approach life. And part of why uh, I'm so passionate about movement, I think it's a great tool for people to use. Um, I I think of it as like a metaphor for life. And I'm in the process of writing a book um, on that, but it's a lot of what I speak about in my speeches. And so, you know, from very early in, you know, from birth, my mom instantly knew that there were challenges. Um, However, the, The circumstances of my birth were quite complicated and the doctor was actually covering up. The hospital then covered for the doctor because he was dyslexic 
had the doctor read the titer correctly, I most likely would have been aborted. That's usually what they would have recommended um, because wow. a lot of rubella babies don't live very long. And if they do, their quality, quality of life is greatly hampered. So, uh, you know, they, that's often what they recommend, but the doctor had made a mistake. He read the titer as being 112 when it was actually 121. But when I was born, I was born on Super Bowl Sunday in the middle of a blizzard. And my father, who was a huge football fan, also really good friends with the doctor. That is actually how he contracted the German measles and then gave it to my mother. Uh, kind of just crazy story. Yeah. Uh, but all that to say that he wanted to watch the game and he wanted his friend to watch with him. I was not arriving conveniently. So they induced labor, but by the time they shot the epidural, um, I was already starting to crown, which left my mother with a spinal headache. So she wasn't able to lift her head, uh, hold me for the first few weeks. However, when she did, she noticed that my one eye was rolling up from the top of my head and she kept asking them to do all these tests. They were covering for the doctor, so they were hiding the true results and they kept saying things like baby's eyes don't focus but my mom was very insistent and said why is one eye focusing you know baby's eye don't focus why is only one focusing and the other isn't eventually uh my mother noticed that it my one eye that was rolling up looked a lot like my grandfather her father and he had had cataracts so she finally found a doctor who confirmed that i had a cataract in my left eye that needed to be removed. However, cataract surgery back then was nothing like it is today. Now it's a very routine procedure, usually minimal, comp if any, complications. It's a really not such a big deal today. However, back then it was. And so when they removed the cataract, I was three months old, they left debris. They had to go back in, do what's called a retinal cleanup. And when they did that, they found rubella pigmentation behind my sighted eye and confirmed that I had been born with congenital rubella. So that's just a little snippet, but you know, I had heart surgery at one years old. Uh, there were lots and lots of challenges that had to be surmounted from a very, very early age. And really, I would say my mother, my grandfather, you know, they were instrumental, my family, just in being able to find resources and to help me to overcome those challenges. And then as I, you know, got older, there were other challenges, the logistical, physical challenges that I still deal with today. I mean, I see out of only one eye. I you know, have a very significant hearing loss. So when I don't have my hearing aids, I there's very little that I can hear. Mm -hmm. And when I do have them, I still depend quite a bit on reading lips. So people turn away or there's lots of background noise or they're far away from me and I can't read their lips or it's dark. You know, that poses lots of challenges. So they're just, they're things that are logistical that I still deal with. Um, but I would say at different phases of my life, there have been different kinds of challenges that I've had to work with and different resources I've had to draw on. So that was a very long answer. I apologize. No, no. I mean, your story is unbelievable. I, mine's nothing in comparison to that. But it's, it's so interesting to me how, like, um, 
I don't know if it's, it's just like the, I, I, I call them normal doctors. I don't mean in, that in any discriminatory way. I just mean it like I, I was having these terrible stomach pains like six months ago. And I actually, and then I was having panic attacks. I went to the hospital uh, like five times because I thought I was having heart attacks. And every time I would go, they would be like, you're, you're fine. Like everything's fine. And then, then I finally was like, you know, I'm just going to go to like a, a specialist down in Miami. I went to this doctor and he took all my blood tests and everything. And then he found out I was gluten intolerant. And literally all I had to do, I just removed gluten from my diet, took a probiotic and a month later, I'm like a hundred percent. Wow. And you had never had these uh, symptoms prior? No. So that, that's what's so weird too, is like I, my whole childhood, I mean, I was eating pizza, you know what I mean? Like I was eating gluten all the time, never had any problems that I, that I was aware of at least. Um, and then it got to a point where the stomach pain was so unbearable and it was triggering. They actually are correlated because I, I actually know somebody else that that happened to where she didn't know she was gluten intolerant and then she found out. And that was the, the gluten was actually contributing to anxiety. Like sure. it, well, you know that uh, we you have more ner- uh, serotonin in your gut than you do in your brain. So oh, I didn't know that. No. Yeah. So there, uh, there's a lot of uh, you know mood that is uh, regulated by the gut. So gut dysbiosis can def- can be a large contributor to um, yeah. yeah mood symptoms. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, that makes sense then. And it's it was just like. I don't know. I just couldn't believe how the hospital did it, but I guess they don't test for that. You know, they're just trying to make sure you're alive, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Um, but I was like, they're going to go very first line of a medical emergency before they go into some of the more nuanced medical yeah. assessments. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, but just, it, it's interesting. Cause so you, you had to go to other doctors though to find out. So I guess is your, so currently, and you kind of explained that, like, what's kind of your morning routine and your, your day-to-day um, look like? Like, are, are you able to go on, like, runs and stuff? Like, are you very active in that way? I am very active. Um, my routine currently looks very different than it did if you had asked me maybe three months ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't think I'm unique in that, but, you know, yeah. So I'm definitely in a transition period, if you will. Um, but, uh, no, I'm very active. I am actually coach CrossFit. Um, I'm an aerial acrobat and, uh, you know, I'm a a trainer. I train, uh, clients in nutrition, fitness. Um, so that's a huge part of my life. And I, I think I attribute actually movement largely to my overcoming a lot of my challenges because, you know, be having a lot of the sensorial deprivation that I did, movement expands your kinesphere um so therefore it you know helps you to you know overcome things like your vestibular sense which is your balance is regulated by your inner ear so if you have a hearing loss then it's going to be much harder for you to find balance and i don't just mean in the world that's a challenge for all of us i think (laughs) um but you know it physically literally uh, to balance and not fall over and to be able to have a proprioception. A lot of that is regulated by both your vestibular as well as your vision. Um, as human beings, even human beings who are legally blind still depend on their sight more than any other sense uh, because it is such a huge part of our way of interpreting the world, of our 
you know, gauging depth perception, which I'm able to do intellectually, but I can't account for motion parallax. Uh, the way that we get depth perception is one eye sees straight, the other eye sees on an angle. I unfortunately can't do that. So I can guesstimate it based on, you know, it's essentially like doing math equations all day long, which I'm not conscious of, but I can measure against uh, my straight vision, straight on, and then uh, measure it against my periphery to gauge what the depth perception might be. However, motion parallax, which if you're not familiar with the term, is where something's gonna end up in motion. So when you play catch, it's really important. You know, it's, it's how you determine where the ball is gonna land, so you know how to aim, and it's also how you determine where to stand and where to hold your hands to catch the ball or if you were to jump to gauge where you're gonna land, how much power you need. Those types of things, or even just driving. I often leave an extra car length, which is super annoying to people, but I know that I don't have motion parallax and therefore I need to compensate. And in case I do need to make a short stop, I need to have more distance in front of me, just in case, you know, I'm, I misjudge. So, I think movement though has been a huge part of my overcoming some of those def, uh, you know, challenges that I have and deficiencies that I have. So I'm able to better compensate for them. Yeah, that, that's so, it's so interesting to me how every, I mean, well, I guess it's almost kind of common sense, but how your whole body, everything is connected. Cause like, I don't know, logically, I wouldn't think if you can't hear out of one ear that that would have anything to do with your balancing ability. It's both ears, but yes, even one ear would absolutely make a difference. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So interesting. Um, now just to make sure, cause I'm not familiar with it. So acrobat, like, is that almost like, is that like gymnast kind of? Yes. So gymnastics was my first foray into movement. So when I was maybe two, three years old, uh, my mom came up with this idea. I used to wear a patch over my sighted eye because I did have a little bit of vision back then. I've developed glaucoma in my left eye, which has taken away a lot of more of my vision. Unfortunately, the optic nerve was compromised. However, as a child, I had a lot more vision. I still didn't use it when both eyes were open because the discrepancy was too great. However, I had some and the doctors thought that maybe if I patched my sighted eye, I would strengthen the weaker eye. So every other day of my childhood, I was literally walking around as if I were essentially blind and deaf because I didn't have hearing aids yet. And my mom came up with this idea to work on my balance. What if we created this balance beam where I walked on it every day, which meant some days I could see, other days, you know, I couldn't. And, or I couldn't see, you know, I could only see very little. And so those days, uh, you know, I would walk on it and if I completed it successfully for a week, they would make the beam narrower. And my grandfather built this beam. So all this just to say that when I was about four years old, I went to day camp and I remember I walked into, the gymnasium and I saw a balance beam and I ran over to it and I was super excited. It was, you know, very familiar. I had all these warm, fuzzy feelings and I fell in love with gymnastics from then on. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, movement's so important. Like you, you, you hundred percent need it. I was on a, another interview earlier and 
Mm-hmm. I was saying how like I if I don't run in the morning, my whole day just feels off. Like I I need it every morning. So I don't know. I feel like I don't know how people like go about their lives without movement. Like I don't think I could actually do it. I I, I totally agree with you. And I I yeah I think that it the people who don't are really missing out. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I and I, one of the things I talk a lot about is it's not so much just from the physiological perspective. I mean, we know all the health benefits of movement, right? There's countless benefits for your physical body and, and even for your, you know, mental. You know, we know that one of the ways actually to prevent cognitive decline is exercise, which is just, I mean, that's profound alone, right? That's pretty yeah. exciting that we can, we can mitigate against cognitive decline by moving our bodies. But there's also just, I think, so much we can learn about ourselves and about how we interact with the world and about our place in the world and about other people through movement. And I really do think it's just a profound teacher and it's a tool that really almost everybody can use. And why, why wouldn't you, right? If it's there and it's so accessible, why wouldn't you? Yeah, no, agree. So I guess what's, um, I guess in the next five years or so, like that type of, like, what are you, what's, what's the big goal and like the impact you're trying to make? So I created a show. It's called Wim, What is Movement? Um, I have seven episodes so far and uh, I'm in the process of pitching it. This is, I, I don't know, it could turn out to be the best time in the world to be pitching this or the worst time, but we'll find <laughs> out. Um, so far, it's been very well received. Uh, everybody who has seen the teaser, the trailer has loved it and had very positive things to say. Um, my goal is to get that, you know, get the distribution for the seven episodes I've already done and then to be able to continue and, you know, move on to season two. And, uh, you know, that's definitely a huge goal. And I'd love to see in five years that that's up and running and that the whole brand, because I've actually trademarked the brand, Wim, what is movement? Uh, So I'm hoping that, you know, that will inspire people to, it's really about people who have used movement as a tool um, and found it to enhance their lives. And in some cases, it's been truly life changing for them. So I'm very excited about that. That's definitely something on the horizon. And uh, I am in the process of doing my autobiography. So hopefully that will be out there and be successful. And, you know, I, I think it was Tom Stoddard. He was the actor who did uh, the Leave a Light On from Motel 6. Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the voiceover actor for that. But he has this quote that I absolutely love, and I'm probably going to butcher it. But essentially, it was about how in school we learn uh, lessons and then we get tested on them. In life, we get tests and then we hope to learn lessons from those tests and that's really what I hope that my story will impart for people because I truly believe that everybody has challenges and you know for them their challenges are you know of great magnitude it's not like my challenge is any greater than anybody else anybody else's however my challenge is unique Um, and I think because it's not very commonplace 
there's a lot, and because there was some pretty significant challenges from very early age, I think there's a lot of lessons that people can learn, or I hope, uh, from hearing my story and my experiences and how I've dealt with things. So I hope to get that out. I am also in the process of working on my book that's a framework for building resiliency. And uh, yeah, I'd like to expand my reach as a speaker. Uh, that's been a challenge in the past few months because there haven't been events, but yeah. I believe that'll change, so. <laughs> No, that's all so awesome. So, and then the uh, the show is that going to be like a TV show, or like a podcast? Like that know? is no, I, I am actually go going to start a podcast as well. That is on the horizon. I've been terrified to do it. I don't know why, <laughs> but um, so but that is also, and that that will have a slightly different, um, you know, overtone. I think, but uh, the show i'd like i'd really like it to be a tv show that's going to depend on where the you know where the partnerships come from though um but yeah that is the goal <laughs> got it that's awesome um well look here the i, I really i want to uh, kind of give you the floor like if there's anything else you'd like to share um the floor is yours and then make sure you know website where people can stay connected you got two books coming out shows like Maybe, maybe you have an opt-in somewhere where people can stay up to date. So the, the floor is yours. Totally. So I, I would say the best place to reach me right now would be at Kinetic Courts on Instagram. Uh, I'm also on Facebook at Courtney Turner. Those would be the two best places right now. And I'm in the process of developing, you know, everything else, getting all the other materials together. So Right now, I would say those are definitely the best places to reach me, and I'm very responsive, so. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you. The Authors Unite show is sponsored by AuthorsUnite.com, your one-stop shop for becoming a profitable author and maximizing your impact.